Hello, my name is Isaac, and today we'll be reading Percy Jackson and the Sea of Monsters, Chapter 19. Uh, I, I feel like I used to start my podcasts with something, but now I, I just don't have anything. I guess um, you guys have actually been downloading a ton, and I've actually been pre-recording a bunch of chapters, so this is Chapter 19, I'm recording it. Tuesday the second. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, kind of bored. Uh, I don't really have any other books to read. There now, now I've been talking too much. Let's get on with the chapter. Chapter nineteen. The chariot race ends with a bang. We arrived in. Long Island, just after Clarice, thanks to the centaur's travel powers. I rode on Chiron's back, but we didn't talk much, especially not about Kronos. I knew it had been difficult for Chiron to tell, to tell me. I didn't want to push him with more questions. I mean, I've met plenty of embarrassing parents, but Kronos, the evil titan lord who'd want to destroy Western civilization? Not the kind of dad you, you invited to school for career day. When we got... To camp, the centaurs were anxious to meet Dionysus. They'd heard he threw some really wild parties, but they were disappointed. The wine god was in no mood to celebrate as the whole camp gathered at the top of Half-Blood Hill. The camp had been through two hard weeks. The arts and crafts cabin had burned down to the ground from an attack by Dracoionysus, which as near as I could figure was Latin for really big lizard with fire breed with fire breath that blows stuff up. The big house's room, rooms were overflowing with wounded. The kids, kids in Apollo cabin, who were the best healers, had been working overtime performing first aid. Everybody looked wearily and battered as we crowded around Thalia's tree. The moment Clarice draped the, draped the golden fleece over the lowest bough, the moonlight seemed to brighten turning from gray to liquid silver. A cool breeze rustled in the branches and rippled through the grass. All the way into the valley, everything everything came into sharper focus. The glow of the fireflies down in the woods, the smell of the strawberry fields, the sound of the waves on the beach. Gradually, the needles on the pine tree started turning from brown to green. Everybody cheered. It was happening slowly, but there was could be no doubt. The fleece's magic was seeping into the tree, filling it with new power and expelling expelling the poison. Karen ordered a 24-7 guard duty on the hilltop, at least until he could find an appropriate monster to protect the fleece. He said he could place an ad in Olympus Weekly right away. In the meantime, Clarice was carried on her cabin mate's shoulders down to the amphitheater, where she was honored with a lauren wreath and a lot of celebrating around the campfire. Nobody gave Annabeth or me a second look. It was as if we'd never left. In a way, I guess that was the best thank you anyone could have given us. Because if they admitted we'd snuck up out of camp to do the quest, would have to expel. they'd have to expel us. And really, I didn't want any more attention. It felt good to just be one of the campers for once. Later that night, as we were roasting marshmallows and listening to the Stoll brothers tell us a ghostly story about an evil king who was eaten alive by demonic breakfast pastries, Clarice shoved me from behind and whispered in my ear, 
Just because you were cool one time, Jackson, don't think you're off the hook with Aries. I'm still waiting for the right opportunity to pulverize you. I gave her a grudging smile. What? she demanded. Nothing, I said. Just good to be home. The next morning, after the party ponies headed back to Florida, Kyra made a surprise announcement. The chariot races would go ahead as scheduled. We'd all figured they were history now that Tantalus was gone, but completing, completing, completing them didn't, did feel like the right thing to do. Completing them did feel like the right thing to do, especially now that Kyron was back and the camp was safe. Tyson wasn't too keen on the idea of getting back in the, in the chariot after our first experience, but he was happy to let me team up with Annabeth. I would drive, Annabeth would defend, and Tyson was act, would act as our pit crew. While I worked with the horses, Tyson fixed, uh, fixed up Athena's chariot and added a whole bunch of special modifications. We spent the next two days training like crazy. Annabeth and I agreed that if we won, the prize of no chores for the rest of the month would be split between our two cabins. Since Athena had more campers, they would get most of the time off, which was fine by me. I didn't care about the prize, I just wanted to win. The night before the race, I stayed late at the stables. I was talking to our horses, giving them one final brushing, when somebody right behind me said, Fine animals, horses. I'd wish I'd thought of them. A middle-aged guy in a postal career outfit was leaning against the stable door. He was slim with curly black hair over his white pith helmet, and he had a mail, mail ba- mailbag slung over his shoulder. Hermes? I stammered. Hello, Percy. Didn't you recognize me without my jogging clothes? Uh, I wasn't sure whether I was supposed to kneel or, or buy stamps from him or what. Then it occurred to me why he must be here. Oh, listen, Lord Hermes, about Luke. God arched his eyebrows. We saw him all right, I said, but you weren't able to talk any sense to him. him. Well, we kind of tried to kill each other in a duel to the death. I see. You try the diplomatic approach. I'm, I'm sorry, I really am. I mean, you gave me those awesome gifts and everything. And I know you wanted Luke to come back, but he's turned bad. Really bad. He's, he says he feels like you abandoned him. I waited for Hermes to get angry. I figured he'd turn me into a hamster or something. And I did not want to spend any more time as a rodent. Instead, he just sighed. Do you ever fear, do you ever, do you ever feel your father abandoned you? Percy? Oh man. I wanted to say only a few hundred times a day. I hadn't spoken to Poseidon since last summer. I'd never even been to his underwater palace. And then, there was the whole, whole thing with Tyson. No warning, no explanation. Just a boom. You have a brother. You'd think that that deserved a little heads-up phone call or something. The more I thought about it, the angrier I got. I realized I did not want recognition. I did want recognition from this quest I completed, but not from the other campers. I wanted my dad to say something, to notice me. Hermes readjusted the mailbag on his shoulder. Percy, the hardest part about being God is that you must often act indirectly, especially when it comes to your own children. If you were to interfere every time our children had a problem, well, that would only create more problems and more resentment. But I I believe if you give it some time...
some thought, you will see that Poseidon has been paying attention to you. He's answered your prayers. I can only hope that someday Luke may realize the same about me. Whether you feel like you su succeeded or not, you remind Luke who he was. You spoke to him. I tried to kill him. Hermes shrugged. Families are messy. Immortal families are eternally messy. Sometimes the best we can do is remind each other that we are related, for better, for the better or worse. And try to keep the maiming, maiming and killing to a minimum. I didn't sound like much of. It didn't sound like much of a recipe for the perfect family. Then again, as I thought about my quest, I realized maybe Hermes was right. Poseidon had sent me the hippocampi to help us. He'd given me powers over the sea that I'd never known about before. And then there was Tyson. Poseidon brought us together on purpose. How many times had Tyson saved my life this summer? In the distance, the conch horn sounded, signaling curfew. You should get to bed, Hermes said. I've helped you get into quite some trouble this summer already. I really only came to make this delivery. A, del a delivery? I am the messenger of the gods, Percy. He took an e electronic signature pad from his mailbag and handed it to me. Sign here, please. I picked up the stylus before realizing it was intertwined with a pair of tiny green snakes. Ah! I dropped the pad. Ouch, said George. Really, Percy? Martha scolded. Would you want to be dropped on the floor of a horse stable? Oh, uh, sorry. I didn't much like touching snakes, but I picked up the pad and the stylus again. Martha and George wriggled around my fingers, forming kind of pencil grip like the ones my special ed teacher made me use in second grade. Did you bring me a rat? George asked. No, I said. Uh, we didn't find any. What about a guinea pig? George! Martha chitted. Don't tease the boy. I signed my name and gave the pad back to Hermes. In exchange, he handed me a sea blue envelope. My fingers trembled. Even before I opened it, I could tell it was from my father. I could sense his power in the cold blue paper, as if the envelope itself had been folded out of the ocean wave. Good luck tomorrow, Hermes said. Fine team of horses you have there. Though you'll excuse if I root for the Hermes cabin. And don't be dis too discouraged when you read it, dear, Martha told me. He does have your interests at heart. What do you mean? I asked. Don't mind her, George, George said. And next time, remember, snakes work for tips. Enough, you two. Hermes said, goodbye, Percy, for now. Small white ring rings, wings sprouted from his pith helmet. He began to glow, and I knew enough about the gods to avert my eyes before he revealed his true divine form. Within a with a brilliant flash of light, he was gone, and I was alone with the horses. I stared at the blue envelope in my hands. It was addressed to the Strong but elegant handwriting that I'd seen once before on a package Poseidon had sent me last summer. Percy Jackson, Camp Half-Blood, Fawn Road, Long Island, New York, 11954. An actual letter for my father. Maybe he would tell me I'd done a good job getting the fleece. 
you'd explain about Tyson or apologize for not make, take, talking to me sooner. There were so many things I'd wanted the, the letter to say. I opened the envelope and unfolded the paper. Two simple words were printed in the middle of the page. Brace yourself. The next morning, everybody was buzzing about the chariot race, though they kept glancing nervously towards the sky like they expected to see Stymphian birds gathering. None did. It was a beautiful summer day with blue sky and pe- plenty of sunshine. The camp had started to look the way it should look. The meadows were green and lush. The white columns gleamed on the Greek buildings. Dryads played happily in the woods. And I was miserable. I'd been lying awake all night thinking about Poseidon's warning. Brace yourself. I mean, he goes to the trouble of writing a letter, and he writes two words? Martha the snake had told me not to feel disappointed. Maybe Poseidon had a reason to be so vague. Maybe he didn't know exactly what he was warning me about, but he sensed something big was about to happen. Something that could completely knock me off my feet unless I was prepared. It was hard, but I tried to turn my thoughts to the race. As Annabeth and I drove onto the track, I couldn't help admiring the work work Tyson had done on the Athena chariot. The carriage gleamed with bronze reinforcements. The wheels were... Regaligned with magical suspension, so we glided along with hardly a bump. The rigging of the horses was so perfectly balanced, the team turned at the slightest tug of the reins. Tyson had also made us two javelins, each with three buttons on the shaft. The first button primed the javelin to explode on impact, releasing razor wire that would tangle and shred an opponent's wheel. The second button produced a blunt but still very painful, bronze spearhead designed to knock a driver out of his carriage. The third button brought up a grappling hook that could be used to lock onto an enemy's chariot or push it away. I figured we were in pretty good shape for the race, but Tyson still warned me to be careful. The other chariot teams had plenty of tricks up their togas. Here, he said just before the race began, he had to be a wristwatch. There wasn't anything special about it, just a white and silver clock face, black leather strap. But as soon as I saw it, I realized that this was what I'd been, what I'd seen him tinkering on all summer. I did, I didn't usually like to wear watches. Who cared what time it was? But I couldn't say no to Tyson. Thanks, man. I put it on and found it was surprisingly light and comfortable. I could hardly tell I was wearing it. Didn't finish in time for the trip, Tyson mumbled. Sorry, sorry. Hey, man, no big deal. If you need protection in race, he advised, hit the button. Uh, okay. I didn't see how keeping time was going to help a whole lot, but I was touched that Tyson was concerned. I promised him I'd remember the watch, and, hey, um, Tyson, he looked at me. I wanted to say, well, I've tried to figure out how to apologize for getting embarrassed about him before this quest, for telling everybody he wasn't really my brother, and it wasn't really easy to find the words. I know what you will tell me, Tyson said, looking ashamed. Poseidon did care for me, after all. Uh, well, he sent you to help me. Just what I asked for. I blinked. You asked asked Poseidon for me? For a friend, Tyson said, twisting his shirt in his hands. Young Cyclopses grow up alone on the streets, learn to make things out of scraps, learn to survive. But that's so cruel. He shook his head earnestly. Makes us appreciate blessings. 
not to be greedy and mean and fat like Polyphemus. But I got scared. Monster chased me so much, clawed me sometimes. Scars on your back? A tear welled in his eye. Sphinx, on 7 Second Street, big bully. I prayed to daddy for help. Soon the people at Merriweather found me. Met you. Biggest blessing ever. Sorry I said Poseidon would mean. He sent me a brother. I stared, I stared at the watch Tyson had made me. Percy! And Beth called. Come on! Chiron was at the starting line, ready to blow the conch. Tyson, I said. Go! Tyson said. You will win! I, yeah, okay, big guy. We'll win this one for you. I climbed on board in the chariot, the chariot and got into position, just as Chiron blew the starting signal. The horses knew what to do. We shot down the track so fast I would have fallen out of my arms if, if my arms hadn't been wrapped in leather reins. Annabeth held on tight to the rail. The wheels glided beautiful, beautifully. We took the first turn a full chariot length ahead of Clarice, who was busy trying to fight off a javelin attack from the Stoll brothers in the Hermes cabin. In the Hermes chariot. We've got him! I yelled, but I spoke too soon. Incoming! Annabeth yelled. She threw her first javelin in gra grappling hook mode, knocking away a lead-headed net that would have entangled us both. Paul's chariot had come up on our flank. Before Annabeth could rearm herself, the Apollo warriors threw a javelin into her right wheel. The javelin shattered, but not before snapping what some of our spokes. The chariot lurched and wobbled. I was sure the wheel would collapse altogether, but we somehow kept going. I urged the horses to keep up the speed. We were now neck and neck with Apollo. Hephaestus was coming up close behind. Ares and Hermes were falling behind, riding side by side as Clarice went sword on javelin with Connor Stoll. If we took one more hit to our wheel, I knew we would capsize. You're mine, the driver from Apollo yelled. He was a first-year camper. I didn't real remember his name, but he sure was confident. Yeah, right, Annabeth yelled back. She picked up her second javelin, a real risk considering we still had one full lap to go, and threw it at the Apollo driver. Her aim was perfect. The javelin grew a heavy spear point just as it caught the driver in the chest, knocking him against this teammate and sending them both toppling out of their chariot in a backward somersault. The horses felt the reins go slack and went crazy, riding straight for the crowd. Kemper scrambled for cover. The horses leaped to the corner of the stands and the golden chariot flipped over. The horses galloped back towards their stable, dragging the upside-down chariot behind them. I held our own chariot together through the second turn, despite the groaning of the right wheel. We passed the starting line and thundered into our final lap. The axle creaked and moaned. The wobbling wheel was making us lose speed, even though the horses were responding to my every command and running like a well-oiled machine. The Festus team was still gaining. Beckendorf grinned as he pressed a button on his command console. Steel cables shot out from the front of his mechanical horses, wrapping around our back rail. The chariot shuddered as Beckendorf Beckendorf's winch system started working, pulling us backwards while Beckendorf pulled himself forward. Annabeth cursed and threw, drew her knife. She hacked at the cables, but they were too thick. Can't cut him, she yelled. The Festus chariot was now dangerously close. Her horse is about to trample us underfoot.
Switch with me, I told Annabeth. Take the reins. But trust me. She pulled herself to the front of the, to the front and grabbed the reins. I turned, trying hard to keep my footing in uncapped riptide. I slashed down the cables and the cable snapped like kite string. We lurched forward, but Beckendorf's driver just swung his chariot to our left and pulled up next to us. Beckendorf drew his sword. He slashed at Annabeth, but I parried the blade away. We were coming up on the last turn. We'd never make it. I needed to disable Hephaestus' chariot and get it out of the way, but I had to protect Annabeth, too. Just because Beckendorf was a nice guy didn't mean he would send us both to the infirmary if we let our guard down. We were neck and neck now, Clarice coming up from behind, making up for lost time. See ya, Percy, Beckendorf yelled. Here's a little parting gift. He threw a leather, leather pouch into our chariot and stuck to the floor immediately and began to blow a billow green smoke. Greek fire, Annabeth yelled. I cursed. I'd heard stories about what Greek fire could do. I figured we had maybe ten seconds before it exploded. Get rid of it, Annabeth shouted, but I couldn't. Hephaestus' chariot was still alongside, waiting until the last second to make sure the little present blew up. Beckendorf was keeping me busy with his sword. If I let my guard down long enough to deal with the Greek fire, Annabeth would get sliced and would crash anyway. I tried to kick the leather pouch away with my foot, but I couldn't. It was stuck fast. Then I remembered the watch. I didn't know how much it would help, but I managed to punch the stopwatch button. Instantly, the watch changed. It expanded, the metal rims spiraling outwards like an old-fashioned camera shutter, a leather strap wrapping around my forearm until I was holding a round war shield, meter-wide, the inside soft leather, the outside polished bronze engraved with designs I didn't have time to examine. All I knew, Tyson had come through. I raised the shield, and Beckendorf's sword clanged against it. His blade shattered. What? he shouted. How? He didn't have time to say more because I knocked him in the chest with my new shield and said to him, flying out of his chariot, tumbling into the dirt. I was about to use Riptide to slash at the driver when Annabeth yelled, Percy! The Greek fire is shooting sparks. I shoved the tip of my sword under the leather pouch and flipped it up like a sp spatula. A firebomb dissolved, dislogged, and flew into the Hephaestus chariot at the driver's feet. He yelped. In a split second, the driver made the right choice. He dived out of the chariot, which neared away and exploded in green flames. The metal horses seemed to short-circuit. They turned and dragged the burning wreckage back towards Clarice and the Stoll brothers, who had to sever to avoid it. Annabeth pulled the reins for the last term. I held on, sure we would capsize, but somehow she brought us through and spurred the horses across the finish line. The crowd roared. Once the chariot stopped, our friends mobbed us. They started chanting our names, but Annabeth yelled over the noise, Hold up! Listen, it wasn't just us! The crowd didn't want to be quiet, but Annabeth made herself heard. We couldn't have done it without somebody else. We wouldn't, couldn't have run, won this race, or got the fleece, or saved Grover or anything. We owe our lives to Tyson. Percy's brother, I said, loud enough for everyone to hear. Tyson, my baby brother. Tyson blushed. The crowd cheered. And Annabeth planted a kiss on my cheek. The roaring got a, a lot louder after that. The entire Athena cabin lifted me and Tyson and Annabeth onto their shoulders and carried us towards the winter's platform, winner's platform, where Chiron was standing to bestow the laurel wreath. That was uh, chapter 19 
uh, yeah, second last chapter. I can't believe this book. It feels like it went, took about, I don't know, three weeks to complete. I know it's 20 chapters, but like, it feels so short. Yeah, that's just crazy. Wow, second last chapter. Hope you'll follow me on to the next book, though.